two, one, two, one, two. Sounds beautiful. this service onto the Lord and bring it on to him. Amen. But first I want to start with um, um, a psalm, which is very, um, very famous. It's Psalm 100. And it states like this. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the lands, all ye people. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endured to all generations. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you today, Lord God. As we come into your courts with thanksgiving, as we enter into your courts with praise, as we enter in, O oh Lord God, exalting and magnifying the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for getting us through this whole week, my God. Lord, I thank you because, Father, we still have the blessing and the privilege, oh, Lord God, to come into your sanctuary, oh, God. Lord, to, Lord, Father God, um, leave our burdens here, my God, but, Father, to, to worship you in freedom, oh, Lord God. So, Father, I ask you today, hallelujah, that you will shift the atmosphere, hallelujah, that every single person in this house and those that are online, my God, hallelujah, will have a hallelujah in their hearts for you, will say thank you for all that you have done, thank you for who you are, thank you for what you're going to keep and continuing to do in this place and in our life, in this season and in this time, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You are welcome, comforter. You are welcome. You are welcome. Do what you know how to do. Is save, transform, re heal, hallelujah. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus, hallelujah. Father, we present the speaker of today, my God. Lord, that word that you have placed in his heart, my God, let it be seasoned, oh Lord, hallelujah, with fire, with power, and with authority. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus, let every mind be attentive, every ear open, every heart receptive to receive your word today, my God. 
We bless our pastors, oh Lord God, for today is a day of celebration, hallelujah. For they have been faithful for 30 years, oh Lord. And we ask you that they will be able to be faithful 30 more years, my God, hallelujah. Father, we, we surrender the worship unto you today. Let this worship be, oh Lord God, like a sweet-smelling fragrance, oh God. Let it be like an incense, oh Lord God, that goes up to your throne, my Lord, hallelujah. And Lord, that you will be pleased, oh Lord God, each and every person here today, my Lord God. Oh, Father, we come together today, my God, hallelujah, in one accord, in one mind, in one spirit, hallelujah, to worship you, to adore you, to love on you, because God, you loved us first, oh Lord God, and we will be selfish if we will not love you, oh Lord God. Oh, you are mighty, you are mighty, you are mighty, oh Lord God. And I just thank you today for what you are about to do, Holy Spirit, because it's unto you, God, not unto us, but unto you, oh Lord. Oh glory, oh honor, oh praise, oh hallelujah. If you know God has been good, just give him a hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Worship him with freedom, because in this house, there is freedom to worship, amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let your name be glorified, be magnified, and be exalted. Be exalted. Be exalted. In Jesus' name, and the people of God say, let us worship. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We praise God today. Hallelujah. We celebrate the Lord. And we have another special reason that we're celebrating today, and that's our pastor's 30th anniversary of pastoring. Hallelujah. How many thank God for our pastors? We thank God for our pastors. We thank God for this house. We thank God for one another. Hallelujah. We thank God for all that he's given us. And we come into his presence today. The Bible says, we come into your presence with thanksgiving. We enter your courts with praise. Amen? How many of us have a praise in our mouth for the Lord? For the Lord most high. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout it again. Shout hallelujah. Woo, we love you, Lord. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord.
Come on, I want to hear you. How many in this place love Jesus? Hallelujah, Lord. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our strong tower. He is the Lord. Hallelujah. He is high and lifted up. There is no one like our Jesus. Hallelujah. How many know that when the enemy comes in like a flood, all we have to do is call on the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody in this place. Hallelujah. Cry out to Jesus right now. Cry out to Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We know enough to call on you, God. You are the answer, and you are our only answer. Hallelujah. Can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop praising his name, Jesus. How many believe it? Can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop.
so good. You called me your friend when I thought I was too far gone. No, I know you're never gonna let me go. You are good. You can only be good. You can't be anything else. You can't be
and you'll be good tomorrow, Lord. How many know he's always been good on his promise? How many know that he is faithful? He is faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are faithful, God. You are faithful, God. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Every good and perfect thing comes from him. Hallelujah. We can trust him. We can trust him. Hallelujah. We can trust on his promise. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you, God. Hallelujah. We know that none of your words come back void, Lord. Everything you've spoken in my life, Lord, is going to come to pass, oh, Lord.
something unique and special that you have to give God praise for this morning. Hallelujah.
Oh, 
bless you. So I'm coming here today to speak about tithes and offerings, and as we continue with the act of worship unto the Lord, um, I'm just going to read from, first of all, thank you, Apostle Nazario, for this honor, and we're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, amen? But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as the purpose, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have all sufficiency and all things may have may have an abundance for every good work as it is written he has dispersed abroad he has given to the poor his righteousness endures forever now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberty, liberty, which causes thanksgiving through us to God, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God, while through the proof of his ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by their prayers for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you thanks be to God for his indescribable gift amen so Paul you may be seated in the presence of the Lord <laughs> glory to God so what is Paul saying to here to the Corinthians he's also it's also for us today as every as a believer amen so a person who is generous will usually be rewarded. The reward doesn't always come in money, and it doesn't always come in this life, but God does bless those who are generous, amen? Giving should be with a pure heart, pure motives, and the attitude of worship to God and to service the body of Christ. So giving, we know, has to be, it comes from our heart. And God sees every heart of every man. Amen. 
so we can't fool God. We can't outgive God. He knows. Hallelujah. So true generosity is an attitude of the heart, once again, and that is what God is looking for, and that is what he rewards. We should seek the Lord about how much to give because it all belongs to him. Nothing we own is ours. And if no one has told you today, I'm telling you today, it's not yours. It belongs to God. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what he has given us, he counts on us to be good stewards over it because he has entrusted us with it and to give as he puts in our hearts. So if God said today, give 40%, would you do it? If he said give 100%, would you do it? It's an act of obedience. That's what's important, the heart and obedience to giving. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Also, God's generosity assures us that God will always be righteous, working for and blessing his people. God can cause the source to prosper so that we will in time receive more and more. Paul is saying that if we are generous, then God will bless our source and our results. But the most important blessing is the harvest of righteousness, the gift of being counted as righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. We are counted as righteous by his grace, and we are called on to live in righteousness. It's his righteousness, not ours. So conform our actions to what he wants, and this includes generosity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we give thanks to God for the grace of giving and the willingness to be generous and what, with what God has given each and every one of us. And we can never outgive God. Once again, he owns it all. It belongs to him. And we give to God's kingdom so that the kingdom of God can function and operate the way God has designed it to. Amen? To give is to help those in the house and also those in the community because, yes, the church is responsible for the community as well. Amen? Hallelujah. So let me just pray over the offering. Amen? Hallelujah. It's getting hot in here. That's the anointing of God in this place. All this anointing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today for your grace, and we thank you for your mercy, God. We thank you for your goodness, as the song has said, the worshipers saying you are good but God I say you are awesome you are faithful God when we have been faithless God and father I ask you today that you would touch every heart today that we will be cheerful givers and not give grudgingly because you don't want the grudge the grudgingly giving you don't bless that you bless it when it comes from the heart so, Father, today I ask that you will multiply today in every person's life today. And we give you glory, God. We give you honor. We give you praise, Father, that even those that touch the money in this place that you give to our elders, God, that it would be used, God, for your glory. And we just say thank you today. And we ask that you would bless each and every person in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you all. Hallelujah. Let's all stand one more time to just give God a praise.
can only be God. You can't be anything else. You can't be anything else. You are good. You can only be
Hallelujah, and we give you all the glory.
bless you all. Good to see each and every one of you here today. I know a lot of us uh, are battling things, not on vacation, but uh, some of you are online. I'm very grateful for all of you that are here today. And uh, today, um, I have a very special, uh, really, it's a privilege. Uh, I have a long-term friendships I could have in one hand, maybe five or so. Uh, associates, we have a lot, but today I have a, a dear friend and co-laborer that we're ministering today. So for all of you that are here today, amen. Those of you that are online, amen. Those of you that will be viewing it after uh, it happens, maybe on a recording, that'll be good because you're going to be blessed. I remember years ago, uh, I want to say probably 29 years ago, um, I was uh, just starting to pastor uh, and have been in it maybe a year then I had the opportunity to meet this man of God and we instantly hit it off uh, there was just a I don't know you know what happens you meet somebody it's just right it's a good fit and uh, I just loved his spirit I loved uh, the way he thought about things the way he inflected the way he emoted tell everybody to keep the doors closed thank you and to keep the yeah so I, I really appreciated that, and we would spend time together just chatting. We uh, started to uh, go to different pastoral fellowships together, and uh, we grew together. I always said to him, we're like on parallel journeys, growing up together. And uh, it was such a blessing back then. We bought uh, motorcycles at the same time, more or less, and we, we rode with motorcycles, and especially we went to New Rochelle, and uh, looked at the land, spied out the land, you know, and, and uh, he spoke to me about his vision. We prayed about it, about, you know, God, what God was going to be doing. And today, I see in his life some of what he was believing for back then. I know there's a lot more to it because the story hasn't ended. It's in process. And that's why, tell your neighbor, you're in process. And always remember something about process. Process is not comfortable. Process can be painful. Process can be confusing. Process can be frustrating. But that's what it is. It's a process. It's, it's uh, uh, the part of the journey we have to get to. You know, you've taken a long journey. Remember those of you who have gone to maybe Florida from New York? We, I used to do that every single year. Take my kids to Florida. Every single year. And they're, are we there yet? You know that? <laughs> I believe they made that movie because they heard me complain. But uh, yeah, and what happens is the process sometimes isn't as fun as getting there, but you have to learn to enjoy the process. Because once, once you get to the determination or the, or the place, right, once you get to the landing, you realize, oh my God, the fun was in the process. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, we chose to not really do any advertising, any promotion. We just chose to leave this day um, you know, for us, for the church family. And I did that on, on purpose. I don't find it's a season, I don't know, of celebration. I, I think it's a sobering season, a season to be really strong with family, a season to really latch on to those that you love and appreciate, to, um, to appreciate life, to appreciate your friends, your family members, to, to appreciate your, your, your mom and dad, your grandfather, your grandmother, to, to really understand that you can't take things for granted, right? So uh, I chose that 
this would be better that way. Uh, we could have gone to a big hall and you know bring in a lot of friends, but I don't know. I just felt that it just, let's let's leave things better this way. And I'm very happy that um, I'm here together with my church family today, and I'm so thrilled that uh, you know two of my favorite people are here. Just you know, also Pastor Sadoni and Mercy are here. Also, um, I had nothing to do with any of that. You know. You know, the, you guys did that. You took care of that. So I appreciate so much that you're here today. Uh, this is amazing. Two weeks in a row. <laughs> Dos semanas. Wow. Blesses my heart. Then next week I'll be with you. So that'll be three weeks. There's got to be some form of Guinness World Book of Records thing happening there. <laughs> Praise God. But anyway, anyway, Bishop Reefer Mott is, is a dear friend. He is a bishop pastor overseer of Generations Church as well as a, a growing and thriving network and he and I belong to a network of networks at, at CCC, Christ Covenant Coalition and we have the, the, the joy of being able to gather together continuously, every week we're together and uh, just chatting about current events uh, talking about scriptural and theological initiatives and, and, and different kinds of thoughts uh, that we can hear from different speakers. And it's been such a joy to be able to really walk together in this city and serve God together and, and uh, shepherd the city together. And uh, uh, wow, thank you. There's so many other wonderful things I can say, but needless to say, you're my friend and you're a colleague and you're one of those that I have in the, one of my, my fingers. So um, his, his mom, I, I know her, I know, I know his, family, uh, the children. Uh, well, so what can you say? Just uh, thank you so much for being here. I know you have a large work that you are overseeing, so to pull yourself out and to be here with us, for me, is, it's uh, an exceptional joy, and I appreciate it more than what I was going to say. Let's all stand a moment and welcome uh, Bishop Reefert Mott as he comes and shares the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can be seated, but before you do, clap for your pastor. That's my good friend. And, uh, you know, it's an honor for me to be counted one of the few good friends that he has in life. But it is true. I love this man, and he knows that. I walk the line for him. I know he'd do the same for me. What he is not telling you is what some of you already know, some of you may not know, that when his church used to be on 116th Street in Harlem, you know, and when I was running from God, it was there that God flushed me out one day, using him prophetically, and uh, anointed me, and uh, I've been pastoring since, since then, so I'm here kind of as an extension of Calvary, amen? I'm family. I'm not just saying that to endear myself to you. I know you all love me already. I'm saying it for those who are new and don't know that I'm uncle in this house. I'm, I'm tío, right? Soy parte de la familia. Ya lo sabes. So I am here this morning as family. And since I'm family, I want to say something that if I were someplace else, it would sound like I'm boasting. But because I'm with my family, I will share it with you. Um, we are now pastoring two campuses. Amen. So we have a campus in New Rochelle, which is the main campus. And I have a campus in Mount Vernon. God has really blessed us 
and I'm so grateful for that. But in, again, as I said, it's all because this man was faithful to hear God. You know that Sunday, I was sitting in the back of his, like maybe the middle, and he got up and was preaching, you know, and he kept walking up and down the aisles. And he said that God said that somebody here is running for me and he wants to, you to surrender today and come because I'm supposed to anoint you for ministry. And he made an altar call and some people ran to the altar and I didn't go because I was angry. I was in a bad place in my life. I was, I was church hurt. You know, I was going to church because that's what I was trained to do. You go to church because that's what you do. You're a Christian, it's Sunday, you go to church. And that's not a bad thing. It's because if I wasn't in church that Sunday, I would not have heard from God. He got up and he stopped the worship service. And he said, God spoke to me and he read the prophecy that it was in his, he wrote down on a piece of paper. I still didn't go. They went up. They did the offering. They made the announcement. He got up and he's preaching and he's walking up and down the aisle and he's preaching, you know. And I don't know if he knew me. He didn't know me. It was my first time in the church, so he, he could not have known me. And he's walking up and down the aisle, and he says, 20 minutes in, he says, I can't finish this message. He said, the person God wanted to come down here didn't come down. And I'm going to make this altar call one more time. And he says, listen, I've never seen him this way before, and I never saw him that way since. He says, if you don't come, I don't want you to come back to this church. I don't want a Jonah in my ship. I remember that. He probably doesn't remember it. I remember that. And I started to cry like a fool. I got up out of my seat and I walked down to the front. And Elder Ephraim, when he was with us, jumped down from the altar, shook the place. Y'all know Elder Ephraim, right? He said, you're the man. You're the man that God has spoke to. And he begins to prophesy over my life. And that's the day when this man came to me after church and says, I want you to go with me to a pastor's meeting in Brooklyn. And that is where God began to shape my life and prepare me for ministry. And he stayed with me through the whole process. And to this day, he has not left my side. That is my big brother back there. And I love him to death. I love him to life. So some of you who are new, you don't know who I am. I'm not a stranger to this house. And what, those stuff that he said about me, he's not just saying that this is the truth. We walk together. We do life together. So you're in good hands. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I bring you greetings from New Rochelle, from Generations Church, and my wife, uh, who's celebrating her 60th. Hey, Pastor Gwen, good to see you. Who's celebrating her 60th uh, on yesterday and on today and for the rest of this week. <laughs> it's all about her. My wife is one of the kindest, sweetest ladies you'll ever meet. You know what she does on her birthday? She gives away gifts to people. That's what she's did. And I'll tell you this to boast about her, all by way of saying she apologizes for not coming. <laughs> um, she, she has a project called the Joshua Project. And there was a woman who lost her home in, in her native country of Trinidad. And my wife is raising money to help rebuild her house for her today. She says, don't buy me any gifts for my birthday. I want everything that I get to go towards the Joshua Project. So, so all of our gifts that, that we're giving to her, we would normally give her. She's a woman of very expensive taste. I'm sure afterwards she'll have enough to buy the house, to build a house. 
that it's going to go towards a Joshua project. That's how my wife is. On her birthday, she gives away. On my birthday, I want to get stuff. But that's just me. That's just me. That's just me. So I'm glad the Lord put us together because it brings a nice balance, right? I'm selfish and she's kind. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Well, good to see you, Pastor, and your beautiful wife. It's been many years. God bless you guys. And good to see all of you. Listen, um, 30 years of ministry, and so I wanted to come. I was honored to come. Uh, I've been longing to come. I've been asking to come. No, I'm just kidding. But I would have asked him. If he didn't invite me before the year was over, I would have asked him. But I'm grateful that he called and asked me to come. I believe I have a word for you. Uh, let me say this. I was going to preach to you from Luke, Luke 17, but um, uh, this has been in my spirit so much that I really believe that God wants me to share share it with you. I just can't get it out of my head. Uh, and it's in Psalm 65. Psalm 65, one verse, verse 4. Amen. I want to share this with you this morning, the time that I have. And, uh, and I just want to trust the Lord to lead me because I didn't really put any notes together. I just felt the Lord's just, just hammering this away in my spirit. And I just feel like it's for somebody in this house that I want to share. But before I do, let me say congratulations to you guys, to you, Pastor Victor. Pastoring is not easy. It may look easy on Sunday morning when we get to stand here and enjoy teaching and preaching the word, but pastoring is not easy. Amen. We may make it look easy because of the anointing. And, you know, I've been, he's 30 years, I'm 28 years. After you do this, for these for a certain amount of time there's a thing called muscle memory <laughs> you learn to do it in your sleep but it is not easy because sometimes you don't get to sleep amen sometimes you have many sleepless nights and you go through uh, disappointments the ups and downs of ministry right you go through times of prayer when no one understands what you're going through where you have to be choose seclusion for time being to walk through some things you go through times of great grief and sorrow that is difficult to express from the pulpit. And the things that you have to carry in your spirit and guard your spirit while you're preaching that none of it escapes you and, 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 and messes with the people's minds. You can't preach your pain out on your people. And so we have to learn to carry our pain of disappointment, the pain that comes from betrayal, the pain that comes from all the things that goes with 30 years of ministry and still be skillful to break the word to you, amen, and keep it pure so you can leave here feeling like you, you ate some good food. Isn't that, isn't that something? And it's really, really something I would tell people. If God has not really made it clear to you that this is something that he has called you to do, especially in the role of a senior pastor, don't volunteer for it. Don't volunteer for it. I've seen that being a pastor can be hazardous to your mental health. Amen. It, it can be. And if your pastor is still sane after 30 years, God bless him. Amen. I mean, you all should give him a hand just for, just for still showing up after 30 years. It is not easy. It takes a toll in your personal life. It takes a toll in your mental life. It takes a toll in your marriage at times. It takes a toll in your children. It, it takes a toll, and so we take it for granted because, you know, the pastors can be so gracious when we stand before you to give our time and our love and our patience uh, to you, but it does not mean that we don't go through the valleys that you go through sometimes. Amen? But anyway, uh, in Psalm 60, 
5 and verse 4, it says this. Blessed is the one you choose to bring near, to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this occasion that brings us together 30 years in ministry in another Sunday morning in the presence of God. Thank you for Calvary Church, and thank you for Pastor Victor, Lord, who you found as a ram in the bushes 30 years ago at just the right time. And we thank you, O oh God, for Gwen, who has stood at his side through those years. Hallelujah. We thank you for his children, Lord. We thank you, O oh God, for the leaders who have stood in this house and who have been faithful through the years, some of whose faces I still see, God, in this place. Father, we thank you for on this day that we celebrate 30 years. We ask, oh God, that you would smile upon this occasion and let the blessings of the Lord and this sense of your divine approval be upon this church. Hallelujah. God, we pray for 30 more years of continuation. We pray for another generation to arise. We pray for sons and daughters to step up. Hallelujah. And take the baton in the fullness of time. Hallelujah. We thank you for this. And we bless this time now in the word. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. First thing I want to tell you is this. And this is really for starting with the leaders in the church. A word for everybody. And it is this. The call to ministry is a call to intimacy. The call to serve God is a call to intimacy. The psalmist David says, blessed are those, or blessed is the one you choose to bring near. Somebody say closer. That means that, you know, in the way I understand it, it is that God has called all of us, but I believe that those of us who have been called to ministry have been called a little closer, a little closer. And it is necessary that those who serve the Lord in ministry understand this. Men, um, I just read a book, well, a couple of years ago, it seemed like only yesterday, called Emotionally Healthy Leaders. Emotional Healthy Leadership by, uh, I think it's a guy, Pete Schizero. And he talks about this idea of ministry being connected to the prayer life of the minister. And, and in essence, what he says is that you must never attempt to minister except from the overflow of what you receive from your personal time with the Lord. It makes sense to me because whatever you are full of, you will spill on other people. If you're full of bitterness, you will complain. If you're full of dissatisfaction, you will be a miserable person. And when you're around other people, it will spill over on them. Whatever you are spilling over is what you are full of. And so it stands to reason that if you are called into ministry to serve the Lord, you've got to understand that it is a call to come where? Closer to him. That is a call to intimacy. And it is in that place of intimacy that you and I gain strength to serve the Lord with gladness. Amen? Because you can, you can be serving the Lord and not be glad about it. 
You can be serving the Lord and just be resentful that you're having to serve the Lord. You're, you feel stuck. You, you feel like you're in a rut. And there are seasons like that in our lives when ministry can, can almost feel like it's a, it's a curse and not a blessing. And when I read the psalm, it's telling me something completely different. And I think the reason why if we get ourselves into that place of feeling like we're in a rut is because we're not seeing that ministry is a call to intimacy. I, I, I preached a message a couple of weeks ago on the dangers of hypocrisy. And, and, and one of the things the Lord showed me was that, that hypocrisy is when we try to look better than we really are. It's when our public, we invest so much in our public imagery, but we invest nothing in our private lives. And so we, we live in the place of uh, the praise and adulation of people because we are talented and when you have a gift, the gift will work for you. The Bible says it'll, it'll open doors for you. The Bible says the gift will bring you into the presence of great men. And if you've learned to work your gift well, it, it, it will certainly speak for you. And, and it's intended to do that. But sometimes we work in the area of giftedness, but not out of the anointing. And so we end up looking better than we really are Amen. In public, then we are investing the time to build in private. Can I say that today? And don't hurt anyone's feelings. I'm just wanting to, you to understand that when God calls you to ministry, it is a stamp of approval when hands are laid on you and you're, amen, uh, in, and ordained and publicly presented to the body of Christ as one who has now been approved by God to serve in a particular capacity. And sometimes if you think that that moment is enough in and of itself, and if you do not recognize that God has just brought you closer to himself, and that you now need to go and dig in deeper with God, and to begin to build a prayer life, and to build a reservoir of anointing from which to minister, you will end up becoming hypocritical and live only for the adulation and the praise of the people. And you'll miss God. When the prophecy about John the Baptist's birth came, one of the things the Bible says about him was that he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall be great in the sight of God. Now, 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 here's the thing that struck me when I read that. In other words, as far as God is concerned, I'm impressed with this dude. In my eyes, he's great. No one might see what I see because what I see is what happens between he and me in intimacy. You hear the old rapper coming out right there? You don't see what I see because what happens between he and me is what happens in our moments of intimacy. But check John out. Everybody beat a path into the wilderness. They left the city to go to the wilderness where John was. And John never had a social media account. John never studied marketing. 
John wasn't on Instagram saying, check me out, y'all. Four o'clock this evening, I'll be dropping a word on the edge of the wilderness. Come out and see me. He didn't do that. Somehow, what happened between he and God in the place of intimacy caused God to put something in people that says, you are empty, you are bankrupt, here's where you need to go. There's a guy named John on the edge of the wilderness that you need to go out there and see. And so here's the thing. If you are ever great in the sight of God, Pastor Aramis, you could never, uh, you could never be small in the sight of men. So sometimes we are worried about being great in the sight of men, but God thinks, small. But if we were more concerned about being great in the sight of God, no man on this planet would ever regard you as small. Sometimes we're more concerned about the image, the title, the entitlements, the privileges. And there's nothing going on in our private lives that God can approve. You see, people, listen to me. It is when God approves that he tells people, go and see that woman. Go and see that man. I have a friend that uh, I met two years ago when I went to Lebanon. His name is Kevork Chaparian. He's an Armenian uh, pastor there. And when Kevork got saved, he got saved in his apartment. And for eight years, he said he never left the apartment. He never went to one church. But he spent eight years seeking God deeply. And I mean, I ain't telling you to do this now, but this is his testimony. And he would read his Bible. No one taught him. And I'm not saying do that now. I'm just saying that's his testimony. Because we need a little help understanding the word. But here's the thing. For those eight years, that man said, I prayed and I fasted. He said, there was a time when I prayed and I fasted to the extent that I told God, I want to see your face. And if you don't let me see you, I would rather die. I will not eat again until you come to me. And God showed up in his apartment. And from the day God showed up in his apartment, that man was endowed with a certain measure of the anointing of God. Watch this. People started coming from all over the city to him. He never told anybody here I am, I'm fully anointed, come and get this. People started beating the door to his apartment. He said people would come to his door and knock his door and fall out in the spirit and demons would come out of them and they would wake up a whole different person. He said people started telling people about him and they would come to his house, to, to his apartment for prayer and he would leave the door open. He said sometimes I wouldn't even speak to them. They would walk in it and I'd be there praying and I would just keep on praying and everybody would get healed of what they came for and get delivered, for what they, delivered from what they came to get delivered from and healed of what they came to get healed of and I never even spoke to them and he said I put a box outside my apartment and he said people started putting offerings in there. I never asked for it. And so for eight years, he lived as a spiritual hermit. I saw pictures of him. He said, look at me. He looked like this wild and crazy man with an Armenian beard down to his chest. He looked like those old, those orthodox priests. That's how he looked. And, and, and I said, that's not you. He said, no, that is me. I was a little heavier at the time, and this is me with my beard. He says, I did this in eight years. And then God told him after eight years, go open a church. 
as one of the most thriving churches right now in Beirut. Because he wasn't looking for adulation and praise from men. He understood that when God calls you, it is first a call to what? Intimacy. Intimacy. And what you get filled with in the presence of God is what you will spill over on other people when you stand up to minister. I can't be preaching this to you and not have a prayer life. Are you with me, somebody? I cannot preach this to you out of, <laughs> outside of having a strong prayer life. I, I would feel judged by God just to stand here saying these things to you now if I didn't have a strong prayer life. And that's not boast. I'm just telling you I love the Lord. If that's a boast, then take it how you want to. I love him. And if I love him, I'm not waiting to come to church to get the presence of God. I'm bringing it with me. When I walk in the door, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm bringing the presence with me to the house of the Lord because I've been with him before I got here. And if I've got to come in here and get everything set up for church, I'm doing that in the joy of the Lord. I'm doing that in the anointing of God. If I've got to come in here and sweep the church, I'm not doing it out of duty. I'm doing it out of ministry. I'm doing it out of the divine energy of God and the love of God that is impelling me to do it. And I'm doing it, man, in the anointing of God. Because if you work out of the anointing, you will soon become tired and you'll become angry and you'll become bitter. Here's the next thing. First, ministry is a call to intimacy. Second, is we must learn to organize our lives around the house of God and around ministry. Somebody might say amen to that. I'm not telling you to put your family second, but I'm telling you ministry is a very, very close second to your family. My wife and I have had to raise five kids. We get it. But I grew up in church at a time when there was no such thing as balance. No, there's no such thing. Balance, what is that? Better balance yourself in here and get this church ready for, for get this place ready for church today. Balance yourself over there and get on that equipment. Come on, somebody. There's no balance. You balance was you grab your kids and you dress them and you put them in the car. And you balance yourself in the church and you get yourself in your place to serve the Lord. And tell your kids to help you out while you're doing it. We learn to organize our lives around ministry and around the house of God. And I'm none the worse for doing it. You got a lot of people right now going around talking about they're tired, they're burned out. And I will confess during COVID in 2020, I, I literally went through a period where I, I finally understood what people meant when they said they were burned out. I'm good. God's blessed me. I don't know what it is. I, I don't get depressed. I don't get despondent for too long. I might get upset about something, but I just get it out of my system and I just keep moving. I, I've never had any long periods of time where malaise just got on me and stayed on me and made me started hating church. I've never been through that, but when COVID happened, it happened to me. I'm not sure if it's the COVID because I got the COVID in July. And maybe that was the leftover lingering effects of COVID. 
or it was just that plus the fact that I was just bummed out that I couldn't go to church. There was nobody. I was preaching to a, a red light on a camera every Sunday and six people in the building. Amen, if you know what I'm talking about. I maybe it was a combination of that, but for a while there, I said, now I understand what people are talking about when they say they feel burned out with ministry. There were times when I really was just pushing through. I was just plowing through. I don't even know where it, where it came from. I don't even know if I had the strength to get through a Sunday, but I got through it. Probably it was a blessing that there was no one in the building to bother me after I was done preaching because I don't know if I would have had anything left to smile at them. And so for that one period, I understood. May I say this to you? It's not something that visits me often. God has been good to me. I mean, for the most part, I know about all the hazards of ministry, about balancing time and taking care of your family. You know, my wife and I, we learned, we made some mistakes, but we learned. But I want to say that at the end of the day, I'm none the worse for having built my life around the call of God. I quit my job to go full-time in ministry. Are you with me, somebody? Gave up a good pension working for the city. I was a bus driver. Come on, I used to drive that 27 bus. I mean, I, 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 I know the Bronx like the back of my hand. I, I mean, I've been, I gave that up to go full-time in ministry when the Lord called me. I learned what it is to organize my life around the house of God because the Bible says there is a blessing, and that blessing is that he said he would satisfy me with the goodness of his house. Oh, I'm coming to that. This is, I'm coming to that. But I learned what it was to commit myself. Someone said that commitment is a promise made without expectation of a reward. Commitment is made out of love. When I stood at the altar and committed myself to Sherry 35 years ago, I wasn't expecting anything in return. I was just glad that when it was all over, she was going to go home with me. That was my blessing right there, Tony. I, I, mean, I don't know what was going to happen after that, but at least I get to go home with her. Hallelujah. <laughs> and nobody could talk about me after that. that was, she was mine after that. But a commitment is a promise made without expectation of reward. Commitment is made from a place of love. And I learned what commitment was very early around this idea of just believing that God and that God's house mattered enough Please, I want to say this on this before I move to my next and final thing that the Lord put in my heart is don't badmouth church. Sometimes church is not exciting, not even for me, but it's my place. Sometimes my home is not exciting, Natalie, but I go home because it's my home. Sometimes my church is not the most exciting place to be, but guess what? It's my church. It's the Lord's house. And I, I, I do what David does. David said, I think back on the, when he said, why so downcast, oh my soul? He said, I start to remember the better days when I used to sing and go up to the house of the Lord. So what you have to do sometimes is learn to borrow some joy for the past and bring it into your present when the malaise is trying to set in on you and thank the Lord for your church. But sometimes even I don't want to go to church. It's muscle memory with me. Sometimes I'm not even in town and I forget. I'm still getting up, getting ready to go to church, and I realize, wait a minute, I'm on a cruise ship. Because <laughs> it's muscle memory. 
right about 9.30 on a Sunday, I start looking for what I'm going to wear, Brother Jameson. They say, wait a minute, look, there's an ocean. What? I'm, I'm not in New Rochelle. I'm on a cruise ship. Because it's built into me. How many of you can say amen? Organize your life. When God gives you something to do in church, begin to think on that. Don't just wait till you show up to do it. Think on it. Process things. Figure out how to do it better. Spend time organizing your area of ministry. Meet with your team and plot things out. That's not pastor's job. That's why he called you a leader. Lead. Don't just show up and then decide what you're going to do. Be thinking. Just, I've got to prepare myself to preach. Prepare yourself to lead. Take some time out and, you know, you have people talking about, I'm just tired, you know, I'm tired. And I'm like, wait a minute, first of all, we haven't been in church for six months. What are you tired of? What, what are you tired of? We ain't been here six months. I don't know, I just feel tired. The devil is a liar. I've been tired. I'm still here. You know, and then I tell people, even now that we're back, we've been back, and everybody, thank God, the teams are coming back, everybody come back. But I tell people, when you say you're tired, could it just be that you're not managing your life well? Why must the house of God suffer and your ministry that's been trusted in your hands suffer because you have not learned to manage your life well? Listen to me. I do a lot of weddings, and, and, and sometimes I will go to the reception because, I, I, you know, it's good food, and I usually know, I usually know the people, and I want to be a part of the joy, you know. But understand this, you ain't going to catch me in no wedding reception past 8 o'clock. Bishop is going home. You hear me? So if you have a party and it starts at 8, don't invite me because I ain't coming. On a Saturday night, on a Saturday night, because John Maxwell said you must always be your best for life's biggest moments. Sunday's my biggest moment of the week. I want to be ready for Sunday morning. I want to be ready. See, that's why you have to be thoughtful. You don't go to a party and be dancing all 1 o'clock at night. You're the last person to leave. You're all tired and you're like, oh, snap. I got to serve tomorrow. Oh, oh, snap. Oh, snap. You better snap your clothes on and snap your butt in church and be there on time. Because my life is organized around what God has called me to do. You say, well, I'm not the pastor. If you cannot be faithful in the little things, well, I'm not the worship leader. If you cannot be faithful to just be a backup singer, well, I'll just call Natalie and tell her I'm not going to come in because I'm not feeling good. If you can't be faithful in that little thing, stop dreaming about being the worship leader one day. Just quit that. Lay that aside till you get that worked out in your head. Does that make sense? I think I'm talking to somebody today. I've got 13 minutes to tell you the last thing. So ministries are called to intimacy. And I hope you see the connection with the first and the second thing. If you're not living in that presence of God, everything you do will seem hard. It'll be easy for you to become tired of doing something that you are technically supposed to get joy from doing. And the next thing you know, rather than boast about your church and 
how God has called you to serve in your church, you'll be complaining about your church and how God has called you to serve in your church. Come on. I'm just asking for two hours from you on a Sunday morning, and you can't even handle that? And then you look at Pastor Victor and say, I should be the pastor. I'm just messing with you. It's just because it's the anniversary why I said that. I know nobody here thinks like that. You know, you see my point? You look at Natalie. I should be the worship leader then. Well, show up then. Show up then. Stay in that place of intimacy, and there you will find joy. That makes even the littlest thing that you do for God seem so fulfilling. Hallelujah. You'll never be burned out if you're ministering from the overflow of your prayer life. Can I encourage you all to pray? Can I encourage you to go deeper with God? It makes all the difference. That's what brought me through my malaise and the after effects of COVID. And there were times when I didn't really feel like standing up or walking back and forth and, and praying. Sometimes I felt just laying before God and crying like a fool. But how many of you know he receives that too? Some days I was strong in prayer. Some days I was weak in prayer. But I was still in prayer. Some days I was prophesying to the mountains. Some days I was pleading with God. But I was still in prayer. If you do that, God will carry you through. And your life, amen, will be like that of John the Baptist, where people will seek you out in a crowd. You will become a magnet. Come on for ministry. You won't have to advertise. People will find the one that's carrying the anointing because God knows who's got what. The last thing is this. I hope you all are getting something out of this. Sorry for all the jokes, but sometimes it just happens. When Pastor Victor comes to your show, we just laugh like crazy. And this man one time told a joke before he started preaching, and I never heard a word he said after that, because I just kept going. Every time I looked at him, I would just crack up. He's deadly with the jokes. Deadly. I ain't even trying to be like him, okay? I'm not. The promise of God is to satisfy us who serve in ministry with the goodness of his house. That's the good thing for me, that what I'm doing for God, yes, he's made a promise to me. And he said that he would satisfy me with the goodness of his house. But what you have to do is think. Think about the goodness of the house of the Lord. The first thing I found in the house of God was salvation. How many found salvation in the house of the Lord? How many got saved right here in this house? Raise your hands real quick. Amen. Salvation is in the house of the Lord. That's part of the goodness of the house of the Lord. I didn't get that from the street. I didn't get that from the television. I got that from the house of the Lord. You know, then I, I found joy in the house of the Lord. I find joy in the house of the Lord. I find joy when I walk in. I find joy just on my way to the house of the Lord. The anticipation 
of being with God's people, the songs we're going to sing today, the things that God's going to do. You can walk into this church with a, with a load on you, a, a burden on you, and as soon as you walk in and the worship starts, there's something about it as you begin to lift your hands that worship transports you to another place with God. And you find before long that you are ready to stomp on the devil. You're ready to, you're ready to take back territory. You're ready to move ahead with God. Come on, somebody. You came in here feeling like a wimp, and before you know it, you start feeling like a winner. Come on, somebody. Somebody said, you can go, go bear hunting with a switch. <laughs> That's what they say in the South. You, you, you can take on anything. Glory to God. Kill a giant with a slingshot because that's, that's, that's what joy does to you. I found wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in the house of the Lord because when I sit and I hear a good pastor that loves God teach the word, what he's giving me is what the Bible calls wisdom knowledge and understanding. These are the goodness of the house of the Lord that you don't get outside of the house of the Lord. Well, you say, well, I can watch it on TV. Well, that's somebody else's house of the Lord that you're watching on TV. It's still the house of the Lord. But there's something about me sitting at the feet of the pastor that God has called me to follow where I have my family and my community that I'm doing life with and this man of God and a leadership team that can hold me accountable. There's something about hearing the word from that place in that context that is altogether different than hearing it from someone on TV with which I have no connection at all. I still believe in the theology of place people. Everything that God did it started in a particular place. The house of the Lord is a place from which God decides to do what he does. Hmm? Isaiah chapter 2 said, come and let us go up to the mountains of the Lord, to the house of our God. And he talks about the idea that in the latter days, the house of the Lord shall be established in the chiefest of places and all nations shall come to it. All nations shall flow into it. That's a theology of place. Meaning that God can be anywhere he wants to, but there's a particular place where God chooses to cause his presence to dwell. That is where God is, and you go to that place. Whenever revival broke out, it always broke out in a place, and you would get on a plane and fly to Pensacola to, Pensacola to be in that place because that is where the Spirit of God was being poured out in an extraordinary way. I believe in a theology of place. Don't give me this stuff about internet and connectivity and Zoom and, and streaming. All of that has its place, but it has nothing to do in terms of replacing your being in the place that God has called you to be. If this place did not exist, there could be no streaming from this place to the other places. What God does, he does in a particular place. Why does everybody want to go to Jerusalem? Because Jerusalem is a particular place with a particular history. And there's a sense that some, some have said it's one of those places in the world where the veil between heaven and earth is thin. And if you want to hear from God, spend some time in Jerusalem. I've never been. I don't know if it's true. But I do know Jerusalem has a particular, is a particular place of interest to you if you're a spiritual man or woman of God. Why do the Muslims go to Mecca? Because it's a particular place. Your house is a particular place. And good things come from that place. And God said those things are meant to satisfy you. All the young men in my worship team volunteered. I don't pay them, they volunteer. I'm not knocking. Sometimes you have to help stipend and compensate. But I tell people, don't look at this as your way of making a living. For God's sake, go get a job and serve in your church. Give yourself to the church. I mean, we'll help you if you need some help. But, you know, I mean, I don't want, because it's, it's a slippery slope. It's, it's unsustainable. 
Why do I say this? Because I said to them, my prayer for you is that you will be satisfied with the goodness of the house of the Lord. That is, if you need a home, if you need a car, whatever you need, God will so bless you in your work. God will bless you in your investments. God will bless you in other ways so that you will still have the things that you would need. Amen, somebody. And you won't feel like giving your gift of a house of the Lord has cost you rather than set you up to bless you. people need to be in staff. I get that. I have a staff. I have about 10 people in staff right now in my church. Please, somebody, y'all pray for me. I never thought this would happen to me. 10 people, all with medical benefits. Y'all better pray for me because I still don't know how we're doing it. Smoke and mirrors, y'all. No, it's the goodness of the Lord. <laughs> Wisdom, knowledge, and listen, I learned commitment in the house of the Lord. And that's one of the good things. I just read a guy named David Brooks. He just wrote a book called Two Mountains. And David Brooks said in his book, hear this, he said that the most deeply joyful people that he has ever met in the world are people who are deeply committed to something. Deep commitment equals deep joy. Culture has taught you to think that to be untethered, to be autonomous, to be not responsible, not connected. That's why people don't want to get mad anymore. And culture has taught you that to be your own man, to be free, to be your own woman, to, to not owe anybody, to not be, to, not to be tied to anything, that, 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 that freedom, that sense of unchecked autonomy, that that is the ultimate sense of fulfillment, and that is the complete opposite of what the Bible teaches. And David Brooks is not a Christian, but he has come to the realization after much years of living and study that the people who are most joyful in life are people who have a commitment to something. You know where I learned commitment? In the house of the Lord. Let me give you these last four things that David Brooks outlined. He said four things he believes that we should be committed to for the course of our lives, for us to experience that deep sense of joy, to a spouse for life, a spouse for life. If you've been divorced, this is not a knock on you. Amen? If God so desires, find another spouse and be committed to them for life. Amen? God is a God of second chance. I'm simply saying this, to be committed to one spouse for life. The reason why I say that, why I frame it, is because sometimes we think the world has made you think that variety when it comes to having partners is the spice of life. And so a lot of the young men feel like, now, yeah, I love the Lord, but they still can't imagine coming home to the same woman every night. Listen, 35 years and I'm still in love with her. Glory be to God. I don't understand what they're talking about. Is it bells and whistles every day? No. But that's my woman. And what God has for me is coming to me through her. <laughs> She's the one, y'all. <laughs> Ain't nobody else. But, but here's the thing. A spouse for life, a philosophy of life or a faith. You have to have a philosophy that anchors you, a way of thinking, believing that guides your steps through this world and through this life. I have that in Jesus. And then he says, a purpose in life. A purpose. Some people who don't know the Lord, and otherwise they volunteer and they get involved with causes. It's very good because you feel rewarded for that because your life was meant to be given away, not to be kept. He just said, the man that loves his life shall lose it. The one that gives it away shall find it. That is the principle of the kingdom of God. So you've got to find a purpose in life. And so I found that in Christ. I found that in the kingdom. Check. 
And then he says, and a community, that is a people to do life with. I found that in church. And I'm satisfied with the goodness of the house of the Lord. Tony, I am satisfied with the goodness of the house of the Lord. Natalie, my cup runs over because of the goodness of the Lord. I stand before you today lacking nothing for committing my life to Jesus. Amen. I stand before you today lacking nothing for having organized my life around the call of God because today I am being satisfied by the goodness of the house of the Lord. When I read David Brooks, it, it gave me joy that I could go through that whole list of things and say, check, I have the spouse. Check, I have the philosophy of life, which is my faith. Check, I have the community. It is my church. And my band of brothers, my fellow pastors, among them which are your pastors that I do life with, check. And I have my purpose to win souls and make disciples. How many of you can say, I got it? Now, I don't know who that was for, but I hope somebody received what I did. Honestly, I came to preach to you out of Luke 17 from Jesus and the ten lepers. I kept being hammered by this Psalm 65, verse 3. And so I've given that to you today. And I just want to call it blessed. Blessed are you that God has chosen you and brought you close to him to dwell in his courts. You shall be satisfied with the goodness his house. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Your word is sharp and quick. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the divining asunder soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Holy Spirit, you know more than any of us what we need when we need God I've been faithful to release that word and now I pray for this church I pray for Pastor Victor Pastor Gwen I pray Lord Jesus for all the leadership Pastor Tony and I pray for everyone the Bonillas all the faithful people that are standing here I pray for those watching online hallelujah that this word would challenge them, Lord, to return to the house of the Lord, the place where you are chosen to cause your blessing to be. And I pray, Father, for those watching, those in this building under the sound of my voice, that if someone here today needs you, someone is not saved, someone has not made a decision yet to say, I'm ready to make Jesus my Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would touch that heart. Take away every fear, 
every lie of the enemy, every apprehension that binds them right now in Jesus' name. Satan, I rebuke you. The blood of Jesus is against you. I command you to loose the thoughts. Loose your hold on the minds of God's people. And let that person today, Father, feel the joy of the Lord as they make a decision to say yes to you right now in Jesus' name. Before I take my seat, is there someone here that you don't know Jesus as Lord? Maybe you visiting the church your first or your second time and you've been checking things out. The Lord spoke to you today and you'd like to make a decision to follow Christ. If you're here, would you just raise your hand so I can see you? I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to help you take that step and cross over from death to life, from darkness into light. If there's anyone here under the sound of my voice, also, if there's anyone watching online, if you're watching online, I'm sure that there are counselors there that can communicate with you, or you can certainly drop a line and let Calvary know that you made a decision today to follow Jesus. Someone will help you make your next steps sure steps. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you, Calvary. Happy 30th anniversary. May the Lord strengthen you to see 30 more in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I didn't even know this. I didn't see. <laughs> what a surprise, man. So good to see you. <laughs> I love this man. Commitment all over this man. You give me 10 of these guys, I can change the world. How many more of you there are in here? Is it just you or is there more of you? More Jose's in here? <laughs> uh, I got these. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> Pastor Mark, I don't know if anybody received that, but you were slapping me all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, on the line, return back to your first love. Yes, sir. With compassion and commitment. Yeah. I mean, I, he should have called, you know, anybody want to stand up and recommit themselves back to the Lord. I think I would have been the first one jumped up, you know, because... We're all in the same boat that he just preached. The one way or the other, we sat it to a little bit to the left and not even realizing when we're looking, we're wondering, how I get here? How did I get here? You don't have to say yes. This is between you and God. I'm just, I'm just exposing me. I'm just being real. I'm just being real. But if you want to be who God called you and anointed you and, 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 and birthed you into this world for a reason, if you want to know what that purpose is, go back to your first love. And if you want to go back to your first love, you know, what you do in secret eventually comes out into the light. So let's go straight into the light. I'm going to ask, if anybody here was touched by this word and want to recommit themselves to their first love, Give me a little hand. Let's take it a little step further. Stand up. Because 
Yeah, because in this season, ain't no way we're going to make it skipping along. The world isn't what it used to be. So we need anointing that it's going to... This is our season. And God says, when are my children are going to rise? I repent before all of you for not realizing how far to the left I have gone. And I thank you, sir. I thank you from the bottom of my heart because I've been going through some changes. He is good. For me, it went along with content for the mantle and continue. Content with what God is calling you to do and fight and continue that fight. I'm going to call my uncle back up here. He's going to play for, for you. Come on. Come down here to the altar where there is grace. I want to pray for you. A word like that requires ministry, and I'll be happy to just lay hands on you quickly and just to pray over your lives. I just want you to know this. You mean more to the call, to the things of God, to the house of the Lord than you realize. Don't let the enemy minimize what you mean to the things of God and to the house of the Lord. Amen? Don't let the enemy minimize what your commitment means to making this gospel one that others can have access to. Even if what you're doing is behind the scenes. If you were not doing what you were doing, amen, this church could not be all that it could be. Do you understand what I'm saying? So sometimes it can seem like, oh, you know, nobody even sees me. No, no, no. God sees you. And when he thinks you're great, you're great. Work for that. Labor for that. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me just lay hands on me. Let me just pray first, and I'm going to just touch everybody. Jesus, I thank you for your servants, for this ministry team, and for everyone at this altar. Their presence here represents, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I recommit. And I thank you for that. Thank you that they've heard the word of God and that this marks a new beginning. And I pray, God, for a new uh, deposit of the joy of the Lord. The joy that comes from giving. Hallelujah. The joy that comes from serving. The deep joy that wells up in us when we know we've made somebody else's day. Or that we've done something else that mattered to somebody. Father, fill them again with that joy. So that, Lord, as they serve in your house, Lord, they will serve with the expectation that the goodness of your house shall satisfy them. I release that joy now. Lord, as I touch them, let the joy of the Lord, let there be a spark of the joy of the Lord that will come and begin a new day for them in this house. This is my prayer, and it is in Jesus' name I pray. Receive now the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Just begin to praise God. Thank the Lord. Receive the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord, which is your strength. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Receive the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. New grace. New grace. Abundant grace. 
Receive it now. Receive it now. Receive it. The joy of the Lord. Some of you just begin to pray in the Spirit right now. Receive the joy of the Lord. The joy. The joy. Just thank Him for it. Relieve you received it. Thank Him for it. Father, give her the joy that comes from you that wells up deep inside of her. The joy. The joy. The joy of the Lord. Receive it now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord. Your strength. Your strength. The joy of the Lord. Be not discouraged. Be not dismayed. The joy of the Lord. Get back into the flow. Serve Him with gladness. Serve Him in Jesus' name. Serve Him. Be not dismayed. Hallelujah. Don't worry about the disappointments of the past. The goodness of the house will satisfy you. Serve Him. Serve Him. Serve Him. Serve Him with joy. Serve Him. Serve Him with joy. Receive the joy. Receive the joy. Receive the joy of the Lord in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 You know, let me give you a definition of joy, all of you. Happiness is a personal victory. It's when something good happens for me. And there's nothing wrong with that. Joy is when you give something away. Can I help you with that? It's when you give something away. Your time, your talent, your treasure. And you know you made a difference. There's a song in you. There's a song in you. When that happens, something inside of you sings. You, you, no one can take that from you. Because it comes from the inside. So I want to challenge you. Give, love, serve. Give, love, serve. That's what you were designed to do. And that's the source of your joy. Commit your lives to serving, to giving, to loving. Joy comes that no one can take from you. If the enemy can change your philosophy and make you think that to be selfish and to be conservative and to think about me first is more important because nobody's going to look out for me. i got to look out for me. And we start talking that talk and then we find ourselves becoming selfish. If the enemy can change that about you, you'll never know joy. You'll never enjoy serving God. And if he can take that from you, then the house of the Lord's going to go, you got to come in here with that joy. I'm going to change somebody's life today. I'm going to encourage somebody today. Come on. When I sing, somebody going to feel the power of God. Come on. When I get up there, I don't care if I'm just singing in the background. When I open my mouth, somebody going to feel God because I've been in his presence and I'm carrying something from his presence. You project that when you sing. You project that when you serve. You project that when you greet someone at the door. You project that in everything you do. You leave here feeling full, even though you gave. That's joy. Happiness is a personal victory. But joy is when I help somebody else get a victory. Come on, clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Bless you. Love you guys. Love you guys. Stay with Jesus. All right. Gracias, muchas gracias. James, don't go too far. I mean, Renee. Five, five, Renee. 
I learned to laugh in the house of the Lord. <laughs> One of the things I learned that God has an unbelievable sense of humor. <laughs> we serve an awesome God. Serve an awesome God. Thank you, Bishop, for that awesome word. Thank you. But in continue, I want to talk about my father. You know, 30 years is not a small thing. People can't be committed to 30, for 30 minutes. 30 years for fighting on a vision, when in a fire, kids disappearing, congregation fighting, and he stays focused on the vision of God. <laughs> that ain't no small thing. That ain't a small thing. Every year, most of us make a, uh, a commitment to lose some weight, join that gym. I'm going to go back to school, and when it's time to go, I don't know what happened to that commitment. But 30 years to make a commitment, and every day when you look at things that are not going the way you were hoping it was going, but you stay on the track, that speaks value. That speaks of an integrity of a person. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. You see, it's your father too. Because if he wasn't, you wouldn't be here. Because if it's commitment, we won't be here. We won't have Calvary Christian Fellowship to come in and indulge in. Come on, let's give him praise. He is worthy. We're talking about our father. Not our heavenly father, but our, our worldly father here. You know, Pastor Victor Nazario. He has been the closest thing to me as my father. My younger brother, because I'm older. <laughs> and... And a friend. And a friend. And the Bible calls us friend. So to be his friend is, is ultimate for me. Yeah, it's ultimate. So Pastor Victor, could I have your presence with Pastor Gwen up here? You know, I like Bonnie. I like, I like, I like putting Pastor Victor on the spot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the mother of the house. Papi. I mean, there's no. What can I say when it comes to talking about our pastors? of the commitment they have given us in this house, you know? The fact that we start with commitment, we can end with commitment. That's two slices of bread, and whatever you put in, in between, you know it's going to be good. <laughs> so, Pastor, in behalf of the board of directors that you pan-picked, <laughs> we want to say thank you. Pastor Gwen and Pastor Victor for your, your commitment, your passion, your love, your belt sometimes. Thank you for being there. They give the mic to the person with not a lot of words. <laughs> but 
Doesn't she look pretty in pink? Yes. <laughs> Looks really good on you. <laughs> I will say this. If you're a mother, you can relate to being a pastor because pastors have many spiritual children. Amen? So I know that they have endured a lot of hurts and pains, but they have also enjoyed and a lot of celebration and, and, and joyful moments, amen? And we appreciate you both for being faithful and committed to God first and then to this house and the people of the Lord, amen? We love you and that the Lord would continue to strengthen you, encourage you, and bless you and to satisfy you as we've heard today in the house of the Lord with his goodness in order to keep continuing giving forth. Amen? Amen. Well, good afternoon, pastors. And I first want to say something to Pastor Gwen. Sometimes I'm riding with Pastor Victor, and she always checks. Where you at? When you gonna be there? Who you with? I'm with James. Oh, James, James, God bless you, brother. I'm taking care of my husband. So much love and so much gratitude that she shows me that I love and appreciate her. And my Pastor Victor, we go back, uh, when I started coming to this church, we had, uh, I believe it's called Fuente de Acobo. Am I right, David? Okay. So, this is about five blocks down, 2013. I'm going through a storm, heavy storm. I'm really not in the Lord. I don't have a prayer life. I don't have a relationship with God. But one thing was said to me, then go where people are praying. So I showed up, answered the call. Ministers prayed over me. I accepted them. But one day, I had to take a test. I had a bad diagnosis. And the test was going to determine whether I was over here or if I was over here. And I came up front, I wanted pastor that day. I didn't want nobody but the pastor. I wasn't even a member. I came up front, and the pastor prayed for me. Blessed his brother. He did his job. He raised his family. He said other things, but I received it. And I had fear before I was going to take that test. But after the pastor prayed over me, I went the next day without no fear. And thank God the test came out over here instead of over here. And from that point on, I must say, I have been spiritually connected to pastor. Uh, we are like mother's brother from another mother. You know, he needs me, he calls me. I need him, I call him. I know I could depend on him, but I realized back in 2013 that when I came to this house and met pastor the way he talked, that I was in the right house, that this is the place I wanted to be, and this is the place that I wanted to serve. And since 2014, I have served under these pastors, and they are gracious. Faithful, joyful, and they do everything with love. And we thank you for all your service. And like Pastor says, I know you have 30 years of service, and we appreciate that and congratulate that. But Pastor's favorite words, if you're still standing, you're still on assignment. <laughs> God bless you guys. Pastor, so this says 30 years of pastoral service, Pastor Victor Nazario. On this special occasion of your 30th pastoral anniversary, we present this token of appreciation in our recognition of your faithful service 
to the body of Christ and Calvin Christian Fellowship. And we pray for plenty more years of service from you, both of you. We thank you for all that you've done. Amen. We just want to thank you. We really love and appreciate each and every one of you. And I think Pastor Mott summed it up and so did Elder Ross. Some people can't commit to 30 minutes. But it's been 30 years, and it's been 30 years, but God has given us the strength to minister, to push forward, despite difficulties, because we all go through difficulties in life. But I thank the living God, because this truly is a calling. I see a lot of people try to pastor, and it's not their calling. And they don't make it past five years. But when you love God and you say, yes, Lord, here am I, send me, you're going to run with what God has given you. And this has been a true calling of God, and we put God first because God has been our anchor. He has been our strength. He has been our refuge when we have had difficulties. But we thank you all also, and I want, we love you guys because we know that you're constantly praying for us. And we sense your prayers. And so we thank you all. We love you all. And I would have not had it any other way. If God calls me for another 30 years, if I'm alive that long, we'll continue going. Because it's what God says, it's not what I say. We're here to serve the Lord and to serve him first. So whatever God wants, we say yes. So we're going to run with it. We're going to do it, Lord, because that's what he has called us to do. So I thank God. I thank him for my husband because really the Lord called him first. And I have to admit, I had trepidation, you know, and I said, I don't want to do this, God, but the Lord had to speak to me personally, and when he did, I humbled myself before him, and I said, yes, God, I'm going to do it. So thank you all for this day. I mean, I'm just so happy to be here in the house of the Lord with each and every one of you, and we love you guys so much. Thanks. Praise God. Well, uh, thank you for uh, this uh, beautiful moment. Appreciate it. But you know, I, I think um, I look back at all that we went through, and for me, in my heart, uh, Bishop, I don't really think of oh, it's my job or anything like that. It was just it's part of my life, or just the life that I'm living. I, God wired me for this, so we just live it through. When we had a problem, we just work through it. I remember when the church experienced a fire. Um, I, I was actually somebody called me. Said, Could you please get on Channel Seven right now? And I did right away. And our church, the building is it's on fire. So I look at it and, and I said, "Hmm, hon, uh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to shave and uh, put myself a nice shirt on, and I'm going to blow dry my hair because those days I used to blow it back. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, so blow it back. Yeah." As I said, I'm going to be on TV this afternoon. That's why I remember saying that. And I went there, and I'm looking at it. I said, okay. So we have no place of fellowship. We've lost everything in terms of our accoutrements and everything that we use, right? Uh, with the after-school programs, shot, can't do anything. The funding's going to dry up because we can't do what we were doing in the community. And I'm thinking, man, 
ministry is weird because they don't teach you this in seminary. And as soon as I'm saying that, I heard a voice right here. And it was a deep voice, baritone voice. It says, we're with you. You're not alone. It's so deep, I can't even imitate it. And I looked, it was an elder of Harlem Tabernacle. And they invited us to spend time with them. And then somebody else called me, same thing. Then my phone started going, I mean, just started ringing, ringing, ringing. Meanwhile, the mayor's there, uh, the head of the fire department is there. Mayor Bloomberg at that time was there. He's, look, he comes up next to me, he says, this is hard. It's gonna be difficult for you, but you can do it. I looked at him and you know, I have a billionaire next to me. <laughs> and I was saying, I was gonna say, yeah, it'd be very easy if you could you know, make a check for me like right now. <laughs> $500,000, and it's a drop in a bucket for you. But I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But um, no, in that moment, what enveloped me was family, was community. Uh, the church started calling. I said, don't worry. You know, God will work it out. It'll be all right. That Sunday, we had a place of fellowship. You know, and Bishop and I, we spoke about that. I was able to cry and complain and do all that. That's one of the nice things I learned in ministry is when I'm in the pulpit, when I'm here and I'm teaching, I'm teaching faith. I'm teaching the word of God. I'm not teaching, like you mentioned, out of my pain. I'm teaching the word. When I'm going to give my pain, I'll, I'll give it to him. Or Jose. He knows. Many times I've said, I've, said, I've had it. One time, you know, I, told, I was so angry with the church at the moment. And it was Pastor's Appreciation Day. <laughs> And I was so angry with everybody. I preached the word. But then I went into my office and I seethed. Could that actually be true? I preached in faith. When I went to the office, I was angry. Literally smoke was rising from the top of my head. And I told him, I said, I don't want anything from those people. I don't want you to collect anything. I don't want anything. I don't like those people. And you know, he disobeyed. And he literally you know, got me an envelope and he put it on the table. And it was the loving gifts of the people. And I looked at it, I threw it back and I said, leave me alone. Didn't, didn't you listen to me? I was so angry at him. But it wasn't him, I wasn't angry. It was just, it was just I was dealing with you know, the human you know, person. So I, I realized that, uh, Victor, you're acting like an idiot right now. I'm sorry, that's what I was acting like. And so I apologized, so, but you know, he always, kept the peace and the joy in that smile. And I love you for it, man. I love you for it. I thank you for it. You know? yeah. Thank you so much. What it, it just goes to show you throughout the process of the years, um, all these situations went to, it was always, you know, it's just part of me, my life. And you know, God, thank you for the privilege. And I've said that all these years. I continue to say that today. Thank you. Thank all of you. All of the, the, the team, thank you. Appreciate it. Those that are online today, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And Bishop, thank you for taking some time yeah. to be with us. Two campuses, yeah. that's right. It's two campuses now. Thank you so much for bringing the man of God. You know, really appreciate it. So um, there's nothing else I have to say except I love you. I thank you. I appreciate it. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate it. More than worse than say. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much.
Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for your kindness. I think I like this one. Listen, next Sunday is Elder Day. <laughs> Listen, this is the house of the Lord. This is the house of joy. You know, we don't have to go to nightclubs. We just come to church. And, and the high we get here can't be found nowhere. Because this Holy Ghost filled. So... I want you guys to get ready to go home and continue your day and get ready for work tomorrow. But I want you to get ready on your knees because I need you to go to work dangerously. I need you to understand who you are. You are dangerous in the kingdom of darkness because the anointing resides within you. So when you go to work tomorrow, don't get mad at your boss anymore. Oh, that co-worker, you know, if he says one more word, give them a word. Release the anointing that resides within you. Because you're great. That's what the Bible says. You are awesome and fearfully made in the image of I am. So no longer look at the mirror and that person talks to me and says, Lord, give me a word for that person. Lord, use me for your glory. So prepare yourself today for tomorrow. See, what, what we plant today, harvest comes tomorrow. So if we continue focusing on frustration, we're going to release frustration. But if we go before the Father, we'll give them life. So give life at your workplace. Give life to your children. Give life to your spouse. Give life to, that, to your neighbors. Give life to your co-workers. Because there is a purpose that the anointing rise resides within you let's begin to release the gift of God this season so go home and rest eat party and be dangerous tomorrow be dangerous tomorrow for the kingdom of God father we thank you we give you the glory and honor for your word we praise you my father and I thank you for the privilege of the oh Lord for having the holy one resides within us Use us in this season for your glory, Father. We praise you and we give you all the glory, all the honor and all the praise for you, my God. Lord, we, we celebrated the pastor's 30 years, but every day of our lives, we celebrate you for saving us, for you giving us the grace, giving us the anointing, giving us the blood of your son, filling us with the Holy Ghost that changed our life. We worship you today. And we give you, O oh Lord, all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Go be dangerous.